lock the doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Hey, here we go. Rolling along with you, I'm Matt. Welcome into the show on this. Oh, heck, what is today? Oh, thanks, Bill. Had to look over there. Bill told me before I could even look it up. It's Thursday. <laughs> Welcome in on this Thursday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Well, you're one step closer to the weekend. That means NFL playoff football. Looking forward to those games this weekend. Cannot wait. To watch the Chiefs and the Bills this weekend, I do think San Francisco-Green Bay could be a fun game to watch. Somebody called me earlier this week and said, Ah, Matt, that's going to be a blowout. It'll be a 28-point blowout. That's how bad Green Bay is going to beat them. I forget who said that. I don't know. i got a feeling it might be a better game. But um, still, regardless, I think there is the distinct possibility that the Chiefs and the Bills are the two best teams in the NFL, and they just happen to be facing each other in these AFC playoffs. So that's this weekend. You're one step closer to that. Basketball to recap from last night. Not good, State. Not good. Good for a little while. Not good at the finish. Mm-mm-mm. Not good. But we got a big game coming up on Saturday. You're one step closer to that. It'll be the rematch. Uh, State and Ole Miss, they'll play in Starkville this time at Humphrey Coliseum. That's coming up. Uh, on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, the Chiefs, yeah, they got some bad news. They got some bad news overnight that hits close to home. Yep, somebody's in the slammer. More on that in a bit. Anyway, <laughs> as we get started, you can tell there's plenty to get to. As we get started here on this Thursday, and there's uh, a lot of ways for you to be a part of the show. Hope you'll text me today on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It's the best. Hands down. Check it out. I get mine at Walmart. You can also get it at Country Meat Packers, Highway 49, Florence, Mississippi. The Country Pleasing text line, the number is, it's a 601 number, 995-10, no, that's the wrong one, 885-ESPN. Scratch that, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Call me on the Divini phone. That's the number, the Divini Equipment phone line. Love to hear your voice today. It's 995-1059, 601 number, 995-1059. I've got a hoops recap for you from last night. we got to get into it. What's the ramification? State couldn't close Florida out. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't. But first, I have to bring this to the uh, attention of our friend Bill. Bill, i got to bring something to your attention. Yes, sir. Today is your day. Well, it used to be. Today is National Disc Jockey Day. <laughs> yes, it is, sir. <laughs> yeah, DJ. Now, and you're not necessarily per se a DJ anymore, but you spent a lot of years as a radio DJ, right? Yes, sir, I did. How many years? Uh, Probably about 30 of the 50 I'm coming up uh-huh. on. Wow. Mm. So, majority. That's a lot of time sitting between the table, spinning the label, spinning the disc, and taking the risk. <laughs> All for you, right here at 96X. 
And what'd you say? Sit between the tables and spinning the labels. Yeah, sit between the tables, spinning the labels, which you don't do anymore because yeah. everything's on computer. Right. But, um, and then spinning what was the, the other? Spinning the disc and taking the risk. <laughs> Booger! All right, so more on that. That's it. So National Disc Jockey Day. I just thought I would play. You know, we always do theme songs of TV shows and stuff. So today's National Disc Jockey Day. And I the only, like, well, not the only. The TV show that I could think of that's the most synonymous with radio and DJs is the good old way back in the day WKRP in Cincinnati TV show. Who one of the fun? It's it's got a funny start. This is how their show started every day. Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. And love you so badly. I Guys flipping. So don't radio. settle for imitation. But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. <laughs> <laughs> And here we go. It's such a great opening to a show. Hey, and Bill, how about that? I mean, it's hilarious. He's flipping through the radio dial and guys delivering the news. And But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. <laughs> It's great stuff. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Got tired of moving up and down the dial. That's it. What a lot of guys did back in those days. Mm -hmm. Up and down the dial. Up and down the dial. Well, happy National Disc Jockey Day to you, Bill, and to everybody else. Um, Contests. Disc jockeys for years have been a part of, you know, giveaways. Giving tickets away, contest. This was on that show one time. Babies, because the doctor is taking calls on the big KRP giveaway contest. The two final pair of tickets are yours for that big concert tonight. If you can complete this sentence t- correctly, are you ready? Caller number one, disco is... Fun. Wrong. <laughs> Caller number two, disco is... Uh, heaven. You people are way off. <laughs> Good stuff. Happy National Disc Jockey Day here on the radio with you. All right, so let's talk hoops. If y'all are uh, tuning in, you can be a part of the conversation. I hope you will be. Country Please and text line 885-ESPN or the phone line 995-1059. PT for MSU texted me just a second ago, and he said, why don't you use your Jack Crystal intro anymore? That was fantastic. You know, PT for MSU, yeah, that that was an intro. It was kind of a long intro, and I made that back when we started the show. And, um, you know, it was good. It had uh, Jerry Clower in there. It had uh, Jack Crystal in it. And uh, Roger, um, when we started the show, Roger was, was uh, producing and sitting in a chair, and he used to always pick on me in a fun way about how long the intro was <laughs> he'd always get in a jab here or there like how long you been doing this radio thing you know it's supposed to be shorter right and um but then eventually i don't know everything kind of flipped and the clock changed and it tightened up and we got away from it so i don't know if we'll bring it back or not but i do appreciate you mentioning that pt for, we, we may play it at some point for um uh, just nostalgia sake uh 
And on the the disc jockey and uh, WKRP subject, Coach Shanks texted. Now, Bill, you may have to help me with this. He says, "How about Venus Flytrap and Johnny Fever?" Now, now, what is that? Is that off that show? Yeah, Venus Flytrap was the nighttime disc jockey. Okay. And then Johnny Fever, of course, was who you played the clip uh-huh. Doctor Johnny Fever. Okay, so that was their on-air names there. Okay. Yeah, Venus Flytrap used to come into the studio and turn all the lights off and light candles and then get in there and well my babies <laughs> not the mellow sounds of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i saw one funny funny show i saw one clip where johnny fever was laid back asleep in there while a song was playing it was a pink floyd's uh-huh. record or whatever and the, and the boss walked in it's like the boss like walked in and picked up the record and was reading the big the, guy yeah <laughs> and he's reading the titles on the Pink Floyd record, and he kind of wakes up Johnny Fever and says, hey, what about this song right here or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That sounds like a good one. Johnny Fever looks at the boss and goes, I'm not taking requests right now. <laughs> <laughs> like He was the employee, but he was really running the show. And Bill yeah. in Madison texts and says, the WKRP turkey drop had to be one of the funniest episodes ever. Now, every time. Classic. Bill, every time that show comes up in conversation, somebody mentions the turkey drop. Oh, yeah. It is hilarious. And uh, Arthur Carlson's famous words. Yeah. As God is my God witness. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> they're, they're dropping them from a helicopter, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Listen, listen. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> We're going to have to. I will go and find that clip and, and see if we can play it at some point today on the show. For national. Yes, yes, for National Disc Jockey Day. Him and his uh, lines on the floor that were supposed to be walls. Because <laughs> he never could get an office. <laughs> they were supposed to be walls. Yeah. And you had to open the door when you came to talk to him. Even you though there was no you, door there, right? And there's no door. <laughs> That's fantastic. Les Nisman. That's fantastic. All right. So we'll do our best just to kind of turn the page, flip the switch. And uh, talk basketball. So last night in uh, Gainesville, Florida, Mississippi State goes in there. They were three go, went into the game three and one, trying to go four and one, and that would have been well. I, I mean, that would be what three wins in a row if they could have won last night. They'd had three in a row, including a win at home last weekend over a ranked Alabama team who knocked off LSU last night in Tuscaloosa. By the way, so there's a lot of opportunity. For State last night on the road at Florida. And State really controlled most of the game. Now, they never built out this big double-digit lead, but they grabbed the lead in the first half and just held on to it. They steadily stayed in that, you know, they'd stretch it out to as much as eight. Florida might come back every now and then, cut it down to four, cut it down to three. State would stretch it right back out as soon as Florida cut it. It just seems like Florida was not going to overcome State led by six at halftime, 41-35. And the second half comes out, and you could tell Florida had greater energy and, and sort of was really trying to, to just kind of will themselves in a way to come back in this game. And State was pretty steady, but then it got down the home stretch, and State could not hit a shot down the stretch in the closing minutes of the game to save their life. And Florida came back and beat them 80-72. to And, you know, it's an eight-point win, and there was some free throws at the end. But Florida kept hitting shots towards the end. Florida outscored Mississippi State 
by 14 points in the second half. Okay, and and a big reason is during the clutch time of this close game on the road, State almost went a full six minutes in the closing stretch of that ball game without scoring a basket. You you look at the shooting. I actually tweeted it out last night so that you know you could see uh, the stretch and the official stats late in the game. All right. There's six minutes left in the ball game. Six. There was six oh four left in the ball game. State. Tolu Smith hit a shot, a layup right at the basket. Six oh four left in the game. State did not hit its next field goal shot until there were forty seven seconds left. They hit a shot at six minutes. And then the next one they hit was with 47 seconds left. They went almost a full six minutes in the closing stretch with nothing but turnovers and missed shots. And this was a close game. There's your loss. See, and people point to all this other stuff. And last night after the game, they pointed to, you know, Florida gets hot. You point to turnovers. You point to points off turnovers, all these different things. And I'm just going – that feels to me like overcomplicating it a little bit. Well, state, you know, this turnover ratio, and the, you know, and they had this many points off turnovers down there. Okay, all right, time out. When you don't make a shot for a six minute stretch at the end of the game, there's only one way you win that game, and that's if you're sitting on about a 20 point lead to begin with. When the game's in the balance, you just can't go six minutes without making a shot, getting a shot, making a shot. Some of them were around the basket. You notice something else about that stretch, okay? So this sort of is statistical analytical, and I hope that it's easy to consume and kind of get what I'm saying here on the radio. So just picture this. Picture this six-minute block of time. The, basically the last seven minutes of the game, State didn't hit shot. They hit a, a, a layup at 6.04 left in the game. The next shot they hit was with 47 seconds left after Florida has already come back and gotten the lead. Two more ways to illustrate that. When Tolu Smith hit that bucket with 6.04 left, State was up 66-63. The next shot they hit with 47 seconds left it cut Florida's lead to nine. In that six-minute stretch, in the closing minutes when State couldn't throw it in the ocean, scored no points for six minutes at the end of the game, Florida went from down by three to up by 11. 14-point deal. And then you look a little closer, and in that stretch of missed shots and no scoring during that period of time, the only thing they did is hit a free throw or two. No field goal, no made baskets. In that six-minute scoreless stretch, State attempted five shots. Four of them were three-pointers. Now, explain something to me. 
how is it you have controlled an entire basketball game for the most part, especially around the rim, the points in the paint was maybe the biggest statistical advantage for State in this ballgame the whole time. That is, they were without a big man. Their other big man had foul trouble. He was off the floor. He did play a little more in the second half and stayed out of foul trouble. Part of the reason he stayed out of foul trouble is because you're shooting threes. Okay, but how do you control the paint? You're winning the rebound competition. Your points are coming around the rim. Your success and your lead and constant lead in the game has come from attacking Driving and you know, penetrate kick, penetrate dish, layups, all that stuff. Florida cuts it late in the game to one point. You hit a layup to push it back to a three point lead, and four of the next five shots you take in the last five minutes of the game are three point shots. And I understand the other team in that stretch is hitting some shots, and they did. Florida's guys started hitting some shots. But how is it when you're state that all of a sudden we start firing up threes? Four out of five shots in a crucial stretch, which wound up being a scoreless stretch, are three-point shots. I don't get it. It was a little bit of a lack of composure. And, you know, it's just something that you've seen uh, a lot if you're a state fan. And that is, you know, a lot of games over the last several years that you're good, you should win, but there will be a six or seven or eight minute scoreless stretch. You go on a stretch of offensive futility that gets you beat. And you don't have one guy to take over and change that mojo in the middle of it to go to the rim, draw a foul, get a three point play, to actually hit a shot. I mean, what does it take? What does it take to avoid? six and seven and eight minute long scoring droughts multiple times in a season. What does it take to avoid that? All right, here's what um, here's what Ben Howland said after the ball game. It'll be up six and have things going our way at the half. And we were up eight with the ball on a defensive rebound that uh, we threw away with 753 left. They scored a layup. We get it back, and then we come down and turn over again on a bad shot, getting sped up by their press instead of having composure. We did not do a good job in the last eight minutes of this game. And, again, we got to get better at understanding time and score. I mean, we were in no hurry. Shouldn't have been with an eight-point lead to worry about going up ten. We just needed to be smart and uh, take better care of the basketball. Ten turnovers in the second half. And 24 points on our total of 16 turnovers scored on them by our opponent tonight was a huge stat. The other stat was, you know, Jeruji had 18 points in the second half. He killed us. That's a bunch of points for one guy in the second half, too. So, you know, you go defense, you got poor possessions, throwaway possessions. At times you have guys handling the ball that don't need to be handling it. Uh, Florida makes a defensive change. Puts a bigger guy on Molinar, who Molinar then his offense in the second half and, and kind of down the stretch sort of goes away. And somebody else is not able to really take over the way he can. And I mean, that's understandable. He's your best scorer. When I say, you know, someone can't score the way he can, and he's your number one scorer for a reason, right? But yeah, 
I don't know if I could. I, I wish I could look at scoring, you know, for these individuals by half. And you could here it is, uh, second half box score for State. Um, Molinar played 19 minutes in the second half, which is tied for the lead on your team. Scored two points. First half he goes for 10, didn't try any three point shots. Second half he scored two points. He's your guy. They shut him down. You know, first half Shaquille Moore. Leads you with 12 points in the first half. He hit two three-point shots. He took two. He hit two. In the second half, he goes one for five. You know, your leading scorer in the second half, Tolu Smith, 17 points. Turnovers. Ten turnovers in the second half. Had six in the first. Just played a really poor second half of the ball game, and it may wind up coming back to bite you. you. You know, when I talk about opportunity, let's just sum it up. I'll come to your text in just a second. Let's just sum it up. They're sitting there with a lead, a six-point lead at halftime, controlling the game with another team whose best player, big man, is out. You close that game out and win. You go four and one in the SEC. You've won three in a row. You're four and one in the SEC. You're knocking on the door in the conversation of being a ranked team, frankly, as you get ready to host Ole Miss in the comeback game after they whipped your butt a week and a half ago or whatever it was. And you're going to host them, and you'd have people excited about the game, and instead you falter. You go six minutes without scoring at the end of the ball game, lose the game. Now you're three and two in the SEC. And it takes the edge off any excitement you might have had, frankly, going into that one. Now, it might be back by tomorrow, but it's a tremendous missed opportunity for a state's men's basketball team. That's all you can say about it. Just getting started with y'all here on this Thursday. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. At this time, we are proudly required to present present more of the Matt Wyatt Show. We have another totally awesome episode for you today. Okay, so I was going and grabbing the audio from the WKRP Turkey Drop episode (laughs) Uh, so that I can play that for you in a little bit, and I will do that. And the reason is because today is National Disc Jockey Day, and um, (laughs) it is fantastic. I just wish I had it ready. I don't have the audio ready right now, but I just wish I did because uh, <laughs> I can't play it soon enough. It's that good. All right, so it's coming up. Let me just, you know, and look, it, this it's a blast from the past. It's one of those, like, if we all over a certain age, we know the show and maybe have seen this or heard this before. Many have not. And I'm just saying I don't care who you are or what generation you're from. If you haven't ever seen or heard the Turkey Drop WKRP episode, just stay tuned, okay? You just hang in there. That's <laughs> all I want to say. All right. Uh, yeah, happy National Disc Jockey Day to uh, from from us to you. Text me on the country, please, and text line 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. I got a couple of um, texts from Robbie and Dogtire. They... Uh, I did an interview on the Chuck Oliver show this morning, and he was asking about transfer portal stuff. Appreciate the kind words. Glad y'all tuned in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, In regards to State and the way they lost the basketball game last night at Florida, a six-minute scoreless stretch 
Well, really, a, really, you know, an over five minutes worth of scorelessness in the last six minutes of the game. <clears throat> That'll get you beat. That's what happened last night. Unnamed texter said, I can think of several games the last few years we've gone scoreless for the same periods of time to lose. It's crazy. Nick. What did Nick say? Nick said, that's enough hoops for 2022. There's 29 days until sunshine, grills, smoking, and you're defending national champions taking the diamond. Wake me up then. I'm kind of with you on that, Nick, but I love basketball. I've always loved college basketball. I love watching it. And I'm into it, especially getting the, the conference portion of the season. So, And it's not over. I mean, State, it's a tough loss. It is. Who knows how it goes for Florida here on out. The thing is, you're already, you're already sitting there with one road loss to a team that has struggled mightily elsewhere and against anybody else, and that is Ole Miss. You can't really afford a whole lot. You can't really afford many more. And so it puts a great big spotlight for State anyway in terms of hanging on to some thread of hope to get in the NCAA tournament. There is a big old spotlight of importance on that one this weekend at home hosting Ole Miss. You can't – I almost don't care what else you do. You're not going to lose to them in Oxford and then lose to them at home and get in that NCAA tournament, given everything else. You need to win this one if you're State. So what you have – is Ben Howland's team went from, like, for instance, last Saturday hosting Alabama. They're favored. They're the ranked team. This It's an opportunity game. It's not a consequence game. That Alabama game was not a consequence game, even though it was at home, if you lose it. It was an opportunity game, though, if you could pull off the win. Let me tell you what this one is hosting Ole Miss on Saturday. It's a consequence game. It's not an opportunity game. Maybe it is in terms of the rivalry and what it means to fans. But in terms of your resume, it's not an opportunity game. It is a consequence game. Lose it and watch what happens. Lose it and watch what happens. Uh, Eric texts the show, and he says, um, you just perfectly summed up Howland's tenure. Missed opportunities. That's it in a nutshell. Same story every season. Well, this one's not over. You got to hold out some hope, I think. Unnamed texture. No, this is Steven. Steven says, I think Mississippi State is going to always struggle in basketball on the road. Steven says it requires intensity to win, especially intensity on defense. And I think the team plays laid back like their coach at times. I'd be interested to know Ben Howland's record on the road. Steven says, Coach Howland seems way too laid back to me. I'll be there Saturday to support them when they play Ole Miss. It just seems... We've been going through the same thing for seven years now. Yeah. You know, and, and I I think that's fair, Stephen. Um, you know, it's a fair criticism. I, sometimes I tend to downplay it, um, whether it's right or wrong. You know, I tend to do that sometimes because I, you know, a lot of times I'll think about, you know, over the course of a game, what is that? How does that intensity from the coach translate or not, you know, onto the floor? And I, a lot of times look at it from a football perspective. And truth about it is, 
football coaches can be as intense as they want to over there 50 yards, 25 yards away on the sideline. It doesn't matter to me if I'm out here between the hashes. I don't care what they do. They're too far away for it to matter. But basketball is a little different, isn't it? Well, and in terms of just kind of the message and the mindset you have, a lot of that does come from the coach. Unnamed Texture says, think back to the Alabama basketball game a week ago. Mississippi State had an eight-point lead with a minute 30 remaining and had to depend on Alabama to miss the last shot to hang on. It's a pattern with Howland teams. You know, and some of it, too, though, is like, you know, they didn't have, you know, these great teams when a guy like Q Weatherspoon was playing for State. But they were they were good, and they, they won a few more clutch games and had a few more clutch performances out of him to close some games out when he was playing than they have in these other years. And that's another part of it, too, is like, you know, in a game like that, Last night, when you are Iverson Molinar, right, you've got to have more than two points out of him in the second half. Like, I don't care who you're playing, right? I mean, that's what I, and, and then maybe, maybe by saying that, we're starting to get into some of the issue maybe with the team that, yeah, they're, they're not a great team. And they've got potential, but they're not a top five talent type of team. Why? Because Look, if Molinar goes out there and gives you 25, he's done that a few times, then everybody else kind of fills in. You look great. But what do you do when you're on the road in the SEC against a very average team and he goes for two points in the second half? Okay, well, who's our, who's our, who's our offense coming from? You got double-digit points in the second half from Tolu Smith. He's played half your games this year because of injury. Who else? Well, Shaquille Moore. All right, so he's a first-year transfer from NC State, hit two three-pointers in the first half, hit one in the second half. He had 12 points in the first half. He had six in the second. So that's who we're going to go to? Well, here's what I'm saying. He he took, in that six-minute scoreless stretch at the end of the game, Moore took three three-point shots in that stretch and missed all three. Where's the scoring coming from? If it's not coming from... Molinar, who's going to either take over the game at the end or or the guy who can create momentum when you don't even have it at the end? Who's going to do that? Because two points for Molinar in the second half is not it. Jason in Flagstaff said, yeah, I've been pretty over Howland since watching that Liberty game in the tournament a few years back. I just don't see the adjustments when something isn't working. Uh, we'll see. All right, let's let's uh, let's see. Miko on the country-pleasing text line. He says, Matt, due to the mass exodus related to the transfer portal and the limited number of scholarship offers available to high school athletes, do you think there will be a, limited, a limit placed on the number of players a program can take in a given year from the transfer portal? Miko... There's a lot of discussion going on out there behind closed doors and in the hallways and over the phone that is not making its way to the public. It's not really covered that much on the issue that you're talking about. Media is not really in on it. And it is one of the real, real, and I didn't even know, I didn't even believe it early on, but I believe it now. Just hearing some people talk, 
it's a real drawback to the portal stuff. There, there are significantly less opportunities for high school athletes, uh, football players, basketball players, because of this portal. And so what is that effect going to be? What kind of agreement are they going to come to? Because, again, when we talk about the NCAA structure, who is the NCAA? Well, it's the schools. It's the presidents and the commissioners. That's who the NCAA is. It's kind of like going, uh, like, like you want to parallel. We go, well, Mark Emmert, he's the president of the NCAA. Well, yeah, but that's like Rob Manfred is the quote-unquote commissioner of Major League Baseball. He's the, well, he's the boss, right? No. The commissioner of Major League Baseball works for the owners. They are the decision makers. He works for them. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, doesn't do a dadgum thing without the permission of the owners. He works for them. Same thing, same kind of setup, basically, is Mark Emmert and the NCAA. They are at the behest of the schools. He didn't do a doggone thing until the presidents and the commissioners tell him to do it. So they're going to have to decide what they want and don't want. Have you ever just swap players and quote-unquote student-athletes in free agency, or you want to go out here and sign high school kids, give them scholarships, and a chance to get an education? What business are you in? Stick around. It's back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Back with you on a Thursday, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Coming to your texts, you can text me on the country please and text line 885-ESPN or 885-3776. White Denzel texted and said, "Is, is Derek Mason about to leave Auburn? He's now the front runner for the defensive coordinator job at Oklahoma State. According to 24-7. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't have any way of knowing uh, Denzel, but, man, it seems late in the in the cycle to have to, if he were to leave for Auburn, have to go out and replace him and hire a defensive coordinator somewhere. And you, you see they've already gone with inexperience on their offensive side of the staff at Auburn. Austin Davis from Meridian, Mississippi, went on to be a star quarterback at Southern Miss and then as uh, more I mean certainly more than a cup of coffee in the NFL he was in the NFL for several years and started a bunch of games for Cleveland and elsewhere uh, in the NFL and is now in coaching and he's been a quarterback's coach this past year uh, what in Seattle in the NFL but Auburn hired him as the sort of like de facto offensive coordinator he's going to coach quarterbacks but what you know is that means Brian Harson, an offensive guy himself, is really going to kind of be in charge of the offense, call plays and stuff, kind of like a Dan Mullen did, right? And uh, so that's the way I see it is you remember at State, Mullen was the offensive guy. And you would go, well, he's got Brian Johnson as quarterback's coach. Yeah, well, Johnson's coaching quarterbacks, and he may help with input, call a play here or there, but he's not calling plays as your OC, even, if, even though they may give him that title. Dan's an OC. He's the one doing it. 
it'll be that way with Harson because you're not going to go and bring somebody in to coordinate your one side of the ball or the other, and their first year to be a coordinator, they're going to do it in the SEC. And that ain't no, <clears throat> right? So, so, so you're already a little bit of a lack of experience in terms of just on the staff on one side of the ball. So on the other side, you better have experience. So don't be surprised one bit, Denzel, that I'm just I'm just throwing this out there that if Mason were to leave, here's Auburn sitting there with an opening, that somebody like Todd Grantham isn't your defensive coordinator next year at Auburn. Available right down the road and immediate experience at all levels and can can put it together in time for spring practice. I'm just saying watch out for that. Steven, what's up? He says, would you sit DJ Jeffries and start Matthews? Well, see, the thing is for me, talking about state basketball, I, you know, I don't know. There, there's more that has to go into those decisions on start versus off the bench than just, well, let's see who's averaging how many points and, you know, who's had a better game here recently. There, there's more in that decision goes into it. And, you know, and sometimes – and I guess what you're saying is not so much start versus come off the bench, more who's going to play more minutes at that particular spot, and I get it. Um, you know, it, it it seems like Jeffries would give you maybe a little more ball handling and maybe a little bit more of a scoring threat, but, I mean, two different kinds of players, but shoot, man, I don't know. You go lose another one, it's... All, all things are on the table. It'll all be on the table then. Let me give you a news story, and then I'm going to go to the turkey drop. Bill, I have the audio of the turkey drop, and I'm going to play it in just a second. It's fantastic. Get ready. <laughs> but let me read this quickly and make sure we have time. This is bad news. Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay was arrested last night by the Overland Park Police in Overland Park, Kansas, and charged with misdemeanor criminal property damage of less than $1,000. Willie Gay remained Thursday morning in the detention center in Johnson County, Kansas. He was scheduled to appear before a judge this afternoon, Thursday afternoon. That's according to a spokesman from the sheriff's office. His agents, Max Lepsettler and Ryan Rubin, said in a statement that Willie Gay was visiting his son when he got into an argument with the child's mother, who called the police. And a police report estimated the total property damage at $225 uh, for a vacuum cleaner, cell phone screen protector, humidifier, and damage to a wall and door frame. The chief said they were aware of Gay's arrest. They host Buffalo this weekend. Let me tell you the most important part of the story, and it's not the fact that Kansas City has a game this weekend. It's not the fact that Willie Gay has um, put the rest of his season in doubt. May, you know, things like this at this time of year can put your career in doubt. That's not the most important. The most important thing in this is that there's a child involved who I don't know the details, but it's possible that there's a child who saw it happen. That there's a child who at least maybe heard it happen. I don't know how old the kid is. I just don't know. My hope, since nobody was apparently hurt, thank goodness, my hope is that maybe the child wasn't old enough to know what was going on. Because I hate to think, I don't care who it is, NFL player or just some guy, 
the little kid sees his dad lose his temper and bust up a bunch of stuff and yell and scream and threaten mom. I have no respect for it. None. And I have no sympathy for whatever the consequences are. So I don't care about the guy. I care about that kid. All right. There's that story. We can discuss it later. This is the turkey drop. Today is National Disc Jockey Day. <laughs> we brought up WKRP in Cincinnati, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Just happened to be about a radio station. And on that great radio show, TV show about a radio show, maybe the greatest bit of all time was Thanksgiving when several DJs gathered around in the studio as they connected to a reporter on the street. Here it is. All right, fellow babies, and now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nessman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center where the excitement is mounting. We're here to witness the big WKRP hey, turkey Thanksgiving giveaway. Hey, you got permission to be out here? What? You're blocking my store here, buddy. Don't you know who I am? Huh? I'm Les Nesman. I won the Buckeye Newshawk Award last year. <laughs> Good for you, Buckeye. Now get out of my door. I'm sorry. Creep. He gave him his credentials. I'm here with hundreds of people who have gathered to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a very few moments, there are going to be a lot of happy people out here. And now the crowd is... And all these people are walking by, like, looking at him real weird. He's reporting on the scene. And I think I hear something now. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh, yes, I can see it now. It's a, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, happy thing. What a sight, ladies and gentlemen, what a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. <laughs> No parachutes yet. <laughs> Those can't be skydivers. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're talking! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, they're crashing to the earth right in front of my eyes! One just went to the windshield of a parked car! They're just running around, pushing each other? Oh, my goodness! Oh, the humanity! The turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. <laughs> I don't know how much longer the, the crowd is running for their lives. I think I'm going to step inside. I can't stay out here and watch this anymore. No, I can't go in there. <laughs> Children are searching for their mothers and, oh, not since the Hindenburg tragedy has there been anything like this. I don't know how much longer I can hold my position here, Johnny. The crowd... And gone. Les, are you there? Les? Les? Les isn't there. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 
Thanks for that on-the-spot report, Lance. For those of you who just tuned in, the Pinedale Shopping Mall has just been bombed with live turkey. Film at 11. Okay, and then in comes the boss. And he's covered in feathers. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> he was like covered in like feathers and turkey goo. <laughs> the reaction of the guys back at the studio was what was so funny. Oh, yeah. They were going, like, what? Helicopter? Well, and, and like early on when the, the store owner told the guy, why don't you get out of here? Yeah. The guy in the studio goes, well, so far so good. Yep. <laughs> that was a it, Mr. Carlson idea. So. It was so realistic. Mm. The, the turkeys are hitting the parking lot like bags of wet cement. <laughs> <laughs> I thought turkeys could Floating fly. to the earth. <laughs> From a thousand feet. <laughs> I thought turkeys could fly. <clears throat> Fantastic stuff. Happy National Disc Jockey Day. Mock drafts, the Arkansas Razorbacks coaching staff, and Don Johnson. Oh, and Neil Price. All of that and more in one way or the other coming your way in the second half of the show. Stick around.